welcome, welcome back to another episode of The Point Forward. And welcome back to our third installment of a recap of the ESPN docuseries, The Last Stands, where we will be getting into every nook and cranny of the Michael Jordan competitiveness. Is he an asshole? It, was he right to be a jerk? And our number one fan of in in practice fight, Ultra Jacobs is here. Peach, I can't say that um, I necessarily would have reacted all that well to all what Mike what MJ was saying to his teammates. But you know what? I did not play in the NBA, so what do I know? Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a certain type of teammate that uh, MJ will go after. I'll say that much. He wasn't going after every kind of teammate. Nope. But he knew which teammates to pick <laughs> pick on and to, to, uh, to bully and push. And uh, he did a lot of it. He sure did, man. So I'm excited to talk about that. I'm excited to break down episodes 7 and 8, last two episodes this coming Sunday. Which is sad, but you know what? It's been really good so far. Yeah, I think I'm at a point where I'm like, I am. It's, it's been enjoyable. I don't know if I want to say I don't want more of it, but kind of where it's trending, I'm I'm good with two more, and then kind of watching it maybe all again, uh, rewatching it like from start to finish, knowing kind of how they tell the full story, but um. It is, uh, to this point, through eight episodes, I think very clear that Michael Jordan, if you weren't aware, um, will, will, you know, based on how they've, they've handled these first eight, I think we can talk about this more next week after it's done, is like, you can tell that Michael Jordan was involved in the production of this documentary, though, in a lot of different oh, ways. For damn sure, dude. Yeah, um, no question. But, um... You know, to to dive just right into it, um, I do will say, in a, a, a to its credit, these two episodes, I think, if you were to um, present a case into the psyche and mindset of Michael Jordan, I think these two, and when we're talking about that, towards his competitive nature, which everyone lauds him for and is what's talked about, you know, this intangible feature that he was the greatest competitor. Um, you know, you could <laughs> debate whether or not that really is what made him so great or if it wasn't the, the fact that he just was extremely talented. Um, but, you know, his psyche, his mentality, um, really being at the top of the NBA, uh, at the point where we we begin this seventh episode, coming off, you know, going into the third championship, and where he was at mentally, um, but it's uh, it's kind of crazy to think that Jordan retired at the age of thirty, and you know at the top and was just like, but really was at a point where he was mentally checked out and had really no further drive uh, to compete anymore, and just you know how the episodes play out, like you just really get a full insight between his teammates between just how he motivated himself um but kind of like when they you know this it's spread out between the two but i guess first also like what did you think of the the portion of this where they're talking about how he handled with his teammates you know scott burrell the sky or uh 
the Steve Kerr fight, like, what stood out to you about, like, being a teammate of Michael Jordan in this highly intensive practice and just, like, being around a highly intensive competitive player? So, I... I will get to this. I, I will answer your question. Um, but to preface my answer, I will say that yeah, I did not play nearly as competitively. Never got, never played professionally. Played sports in high school. Didn't. I mean, I stopped. I started playing intramural after my eighth grade. I played basketball for a long time, but I haven't. You know, I haven't played organized basketball for a long time. But I would equate practice similarly to any sport. And I did not like practicing. I did not like practicing football. I did not like practicing baseball. I liked playing. I liked like that competitive aspect. So I can tell you <laughs> I would I would just that guy that's just like on your ass and MJ is the the highest possible extreme of that Mm -hmm. would just drive me nuts i would not respond well to it um but you know what like i think most people actually they like set that as the as the bar when they think of professional athletes today always it's just you know you shouldn't be doing x y and z you should be focusing on playing basketball or football or baseball or hockey or soccer or whatever it is and mj i don't think was the first guy to ever do that but he is i think the first person that nba fans think of um when it comes to that mentality and just tolerating like giving yeah. no shit. Like you, you do not get any slack with this guy. Like you come in, and you are ready to play championship level, championship level basketball. Trying to get better every day. It's it's incredible. Uh, he definitely says some some pretty <laughs> borderline derogatory stuff towards his teammates, which you could argue like. And the, he even admits, you know, he takes it too far sometimes. He admitted he took it too far with Steve Kerr. Um, but, he, but that's, I think that's because Steve Kerr like presented a like and and stood up to him. <laughs> he was like, oh yeah, and then like it forced him to punch him. He's like, yeah, shit. Yeah, he just wasn't he wasn't gonna not punch him at that point because he couldn't be, you know, all bark no. Couldn't bite. lose even the aggressiveness in the practice. Right, but I mean it's fascinating. It's not surprising. You knew that that episode of this documentary was coming, or the episodes, because it's yeah. right. It does cross over between these two, but, um, and I'm sure that we'll talk about this more. He reflects on it, right? Like I thought that the way that the seventh episode ended was that was my favorite episode thus far. It yeah. was, and the way it ended, I just thought was really important. It was him crying. The well, him just saying. Hey, you like, you know what you're saying that I took that I was too intense. I took it too far, and I'm I'm paraphrasing here, but you know you haven't done anything. You haven't won anything, and he's right. Like sometimes, Whoa. like people lead in different ways, and people have like LeBron has won a couple championships, and he leads very differently. But MJ is by most people, I think 
is the greatest of all time. He went six and zero in the finals, um, and so people just it, there's a huge amount of respect for that. And I, I, but I do think that he, the like, I mean, make fun of the like that MJ crying meme five at this stage, and I do think it is funny. Whoa. But he sacrificed eh. every. I think he sacrificed like. A lot of professional relationships in the NBA to win six championships. I don't know if he did. I, I mean, where I came away with it more than anything was from the standpoint of you have a guy like MJ who is truly like, and especially like, you know, at that stage where it's like he's he's on you know the he's won his third championship, like just completing that feat. Um, but really not feeling like he had any other motivation, be like he had plateaued as far as accomplishing everything he needed to. Um, and kind of having, I think that self-realization of like how, no matter how great you are though, like that he still needed teammates. Like, I think it would be very different if you had taken, if MJ's talents, let's say like you make MJ and translate him over and he's tiger, you know, tiger woods of golf. You know, he's the greatest at an individual sport. I think all of his asshole nature and everything about, like, I think he just is able to, you know, by himself be great. If he was, you know, an individual sport, he almost, to me, seems like a a person that, the curse that was given to him is that his, he was the supreme best person at a sport that still needed him to rely on others. And because of that, he was forced to like push guys to, you know, need them to be as good as they possibly could be. Otherwise he himself would fail despite the fact that he was exceptionally great, you know, like un unquestionably great. Um, and that was just the leadership style and just like the only way he knew how to lead. But, it's not necessarily the, in my opinion, not the only way to go about it. Because I think LeBron's shown, I think Magic. I mean, there's been plenty of guys in the NBA to this point in the history of it that have shown, like, there are other ways to lead. It isn't, the Michael Jordan way isn't the end-all, be-all model. Um, but at the same time, it's like, you do kind of feel bad for MJ just, like, to be put in that kind of, not even hilarious but in some ways just like unfortunate circumstances and like somewhat burdensome uh position he's in of like those sort of contradicting um components of him and uh at the same time i think you yeah like trying to get at it is like you don't need to be an asshole about going about it i guess is really and i don't know if it, it pushes it that far with him of like because he doesn't appear to have any regrets. I don't know if he needs to either. Um, but it doesn't really... Um, I, I think it stopped the documentary in a lot of ways on this. Like, stopped short of of asking, you know, Jordan, you know... The, the question of just, like, could you have done this differently? Or, you know, if you would have repeated it. Because it does it to Scottie Pippen. It's like, you know, certain actions, like would you do that same thing again? And Jordan doesn't really get asked that. 
I guess, man. I when I think about that era, though, is the attention that guys, the attention that guys gave towards the game, and their workout regimen and their dedication towards it yeah. was just different. Like MJ didn't really sure. start lifting until he was in the league and had lost to the Pistons a, co- uh, a couple times, and so for like characterizing someone's leadership style is not i can't fully encapsulate that in a podcast or let alone a couple sentences but the way that i would compare uh a lebron or like the warriors is that like you kind of see like you see it's like more like servant it's like leading by example like you see how much that guy cares and what he's willing to do to be great and so you're going to do it too to sacrifice for the team and to try to win a championship yeah. versus MJ who is, you know what? I'm not going to leave it up to chance for you. Just to, like figure your shit out. I'm going to push you. I'm going to be on you, which I think that you're right. Could like, is there a version, a different version of how MJ would have led the team? And you could make the argument that he didn't need to lead at all. And maybe he was just so good that they win four out of ch- out of six championships. Maybe you think they still win six out of six championships yeah. if he would have just like he was an introverted like you know a Kawhi Leonard type you know that's just like really fucking good. But he's not gonna be like just on everyone's ass all the time. But at the end of the yeah. day, he did get his guys to buy in. Um. And he won six out of six championships. So I can't, yeah. I can't argue with the results. I can't no, argue with and, and I think there's an important part, um, too, to be like, and I'm, this is like, kind of, you know, I'm all about the idea of, you know, being true of like, you know, however you're wired, man, just, you know, roll with how you're wired. I mean, I think Jordan was wired the way he was. Like, I wouldn't want him to pretend to be nicer, <laughs> you know, or like, try to cut back on being competitiveness to like limit himself. Like, you know, I, I don't expect guys to, um, step out of who they are as a person. Like it just, you know, you look at LeBron is like that, not to keep tying it back to LeBron, but like LeBron tried to be a villain in Miami. It wasn't like suited for him. And he struggled with some of that. Um, Jordan was fine being the bad guy. And that, that was cool with me. Um, and really, I think where I wanted to, kind of my last point on some of this, I think we're going to continue talking about it throughout these couple episodes, but like transitioning to where the point of like them talking, covering about his baseball was what I found interesting. Like, and just hearing so many people and whether or not they're just kind of saying it because who's to argue otherwise, but the like them talking about Jordan's work ethic, even in baseball and how he approached that and like being a megastar at that point but still, like, having a respect and appreciation and, like, teammates liking him there. Um, and when you look at baseball, I mean, in some ways, it is an individual sport played within a team setting. And, like, how definitively every person, at least in the doc said, like, had he gotten, you know, 1,500, you know, if he had stuck with it, they all thought he would have made it to the major leagues. Um, and I only buy it not from this you know having no you know ability to assess michael jordan playing baseball because i wasn't alive watching it but um just hearing his work ethic and how he's wired and like what i said earlier it's like 
you know, that ultra competitiveness nature to him along with that work ethic, like being able to put all that kind of in more of a one-on-one component, how baseball is structured. Like I think he, I, he, but he, he wasn't ever afraid to fail is, is like part of this too. It's like, but he was going to put everything forward to try to win as well. Um, and if he did lose, it would drive him insane until he was able to overcome it. And like a lot of like how he's wired, like it would be like interesting to have seen him play out as like even a baseball player, you know, just not in the sense of like basketball, maybe being one of the more limiting sports for a truly great hyper competitive person to function, you know, in granted he's successful, but you're not going to be able to function that way. And also make a lot of friends along the way. Well, and I think this is an interesting segue because we're you're, I think you make a good point that like a lot of this is inherent. Like I don't think mm-hmm. many of these guys just read a book and they're like, all right, I'm just going to completely change how my leadership works because I read this thing. I mean, maybe there's an element to that that you try different things or act slightly differently, but I don't think that you can just completely change how you're wired um and i think there's some validity to that but then he walks away from the game which is crazy like i i like he explains it it's i didn't have any motivation the the fame and the fame and then his father ultimately being murdered being murdered uh he was ready just to be done with it um, I don't blame. I, it's like at that stage and stuff. Like, uh, I think I might have done the same thing if I was Michael Jordan. Maybe I. I've, it's just, it's just really weird, and just a crazy, crazy what if. Like what happened? Like what does he has one of the weirdest careers in NBA history? I think you can make the argument that he has the weirdest career in NBA history with a two-year hiatus. And then another in his prime, and then still being in his prime after winning his sixth championship. I feel like if he, if there was another team, because a lot of we could talk about this too, he retires the second time, and could he? Why did he retire? Because I, I think that maybe we'll get that in the next couple episodes. But I think that. It was let. I don't think the Bulls wanted him, and I don't think other teams were wanting him. No, it was. I think there was a lot more external factors of. I think MJ wanted to come back. I think we should save some of that because I want to see what they present sure. and how he frames it for that. You know why he walked away the second time, but um, I have a pretty like concrete you know, approach of why I think, you know, a lot of it occurred and, and I'm interested to see in his words, like what he says about it. Um, you know, going to like where we were talking about though, with the bonus and like the idea of walking away and just needing a new challenge along with just like the height of his fame and everything. I mean, it's like, you know, the context of him being like 30 years old at the time when he's doing this though, like, now being a year away from when Michael Jordan first retired, like it's kind of crazy to think about, but like to have 
that height of success and just like the world focused on him and like wanting to do something else and like get away for a little bit. It's, it's tough for me to, to fault a lot of that. Um, but like at the same time to close in on like, you know, him as a teammate and all that, I mean, you know, having been someone who like got in a fight with a teammate, like in a practice, like basically being the Steve Kerr of, in a role of, of like something like that like you know being a team like it definitely is like help you know in some ways it is helpful like i mean you're to practice against that in a given day but like i think that's maybe speaks to like the people who are wired that way and not and i don't think the only criticism i think you can really give to jordan on some of this is like being the leader and not really being adaptable Maybe he was around because I mean, it's like early Jordan didn't seem to be getting in fights and doing a lot of this. A lot of it's like positioned as like once they were winning championships, how he acted. And it was essentially like once he had done that, he only had one way of, of you know, engaging and all of that, you know, as a leader and as a teammate. Um, and you know, at a certain point, like. I don't know. I, I think that might be like one of his maybe criticisms and, and stuff where like even you look at the Bulls as a team, I mean there's a lot of stuff in like of countless different guys like Dickie Simpson, Scott Perl. I mean there's there's plenty of teammates that the Bulls had in the nineties especially of like guys they try to bring in develop who Jordan just mentally destroyed because he just was so vicious. And they didn't get in. I thought, you know, they, they, and the, the Scott Burrell stuff, I was interested to see. And they were very, I would say, light on him. Like, every, and he, that was the part where people, he was afraid people were going to, like, dislike him and think poorly of him. And I would say it was a very, um, uh, soft, uh, coverage of, of what they, you know, detailed around that part. But hey, yeah. sh- shout out to Scott Burrell being a nice guy. Um, I was expecting, I was expecting them to really, I, I just the way that they started transitioning into that, I thought that there was just going to be something like really, really mess up that MJ did, but it ended up being pretty mild. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's (laughs) it's something, but um, so. You know, really, so so what I want to move on to next, though, is that period of time. Um, so Jordan walking away from the game. And, you know, first I want to, you know, so your thoughts on Jordan as baseball. Like, I kind of said my piece on that, but, like, what did you, is there anything about that section of these episodes that stood out to you that you, t- that, you know, I mean, any really, bit of that that you were really, like, oh, I didn't know that. No, not nothing about the baseball part. I, you know, this is the Last Dance documentary. It's about MJ yeah. and his entire, you know, from the really from him going to college through, you know, multiple retirements and the primary focus is on basketball, not baseball. So I think that they were trying to steer clear with that. Um, I didn't know that he was still paid for, from the Bulls while he mm-hmm. played baseball that was pretty cool that's a pretty good gig um 
But no, I mean, I get my well, Jerry. Ryan, it wasn't. It wasn't the bull. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf just gave was paying him, and like Bates, like he just yeah, he was paying. He just said, "Oh yeah, I, this was our contract in basketball. I'm gonna give you that if you're playing baseball with us." Yeah, it's still pretty. <laughs> pretty awesome and well i think I he got... wanted to hopefully get michael jordan to come back and play basketball for him <laughs> it at worked some point. good investment bro uh but <laughs> my 30 second take on the baseball thing is him hitting 202 in double a baseball after not playing for over a decade impressive yeah, yeah. i actually think it's incredibly incredibly yeah. impressive like Hitting 202 against dudes that are chucking like 90 miles per hour on the reg, that's not super easy, especially considering like they show like he started out on a tear. He then they then find out that he can't hit off speed. They start throwing that like crazy. Clearly gave him problems. It's not like the dude was like making the double A all star team or anything. But 202 is nothing to like. It's not great, but holy shit. Like, that's actually pretty impressive. Um, The thing that I I do, I just, I wonder if anyone had this conversation with MJ. It would have been, hey, MJ, like, how many 6'6 baseball players do you know? Um, There aren't a lot. Uh, Most of them are pitchers uh, and first basemen. And he's one of the Stanton. Aaron Judge. Yeah. So, I mean, there are some big guys, right? But those guys are huge. That's my point, though, is yeah. that those guys are home run hitters. They are 250 pounds. And MJ, it would have taken him years. Like, I'm not doubting. Like, if MJ wanted to put every ounce of his energy in becoming, like, 250, 6'6", 250 pounds, huge, like, tons of upper body strength and just be able to hit home runs i think that he could do it but it would take time to do that and (laughs) and he wanted to play outfield and and with his body like where do you see your ceiling being like maybe you could be like an all defensive outfielder and hit 300 but you have you know you're just not really hitting for power ever yeah. You know, I'm not like that's a version of, of an MLB career. Don't get me wrong. Like, but it's um it's still just really bizarre, but it ultimately very impressive what he did. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I didn't realize, I mean, I knew there was like some of the books, I guess they never had it like positioned in the fact that like he started out with the 13 game hitting streak. I just thought like, you know, at one point he had, a 13 game hitting streak, but, um, you know, yeah, I, I didn't, there's, I mean, there's an entire 30 for 30 just on him playing baseball that we could just, you know, you can go watch that if you really need to, <laughs> I guess it was like with some of it. Um, but, um, you know, where I wanted to go next was just on the, the Jordanless bulls part of this, um, and then I did want to talk like a little bit about his father's death, um, but like kind of the Jordan's Bulls part first. The only reason I want to talk about it, and I want to get this because I, I I want to save enough time for this is like so really where this part goes is like the Bulls were fairly successful their first year without him. Like still had Horace Grant, 
Um, Scottie Pippen was like third MVP that year voting, but like how this documentary frames it really boils down to like um, playoff game, Tony Coach game winning three or game winning shot, uh, in which he um, in which Scottie Pippen refuses to go in the game, which is like in Chicago he. It's the migraine game and that were, like, the two biggest. Anyone that was, like, not a Sky Pippen fan in Chicago, like, always get brought up. Um, but, like, kind of given everything to this point of how they covered Scotty, like, granted, Jordan, like, does go out of his way a lot of times saying, like, Sky Pippen's the greatest team ever had. Like, there's no Michael Jordan without Sky Pippen. He says all of that, and I think on the front face is doing that to, like, serve his relationship with Scotty, but on the back end, in this documentary, they don't do Scotty a lot of favors. Like, every kind of issue, there's there's very much a position in which I wanted to bring up of just, like, that perhaps Jordan in this, I, I might be a tell within the documentary, it's like, did was Scotty Pippen the ultimate second, you know, number two, especially to Michael Jordan, because the aspects that Scotty lacked as a player, and I'm not saying this, and in my person, I don't find them as a knock, but because the the few areas we were looking at where, where Scotty came up short, quote-unquote, were areas where Jordan always succeeded. Like, Jordan, Scotty Pippen, I don't think, was ever could be argued a player that you, know, you would design a play for to take the last shot in a game. But Michael Jordan was that person and like because scotty on his own even though it was a brief like had those moments and like wasn't the guy in that sense was that just in and of itself a way to help jordan become more elevated in and of itself like he he not only complimented jordan on the basketball court but also in the framework of the areas that Scotty lacked are the places that really helped to, um, yeah, reemphasize or really um, pr- profound add, add profoundness to like those traits that Jordan did possess. That's a really tough one to answer. Um, they are in many ways like perfect I mean, compliments. Yes, they are, and that's pretty. That's like actually it's just really amazing that that ended up being the way it is. And every, like they go into Scotty's backstory. Um, and we could certainly talk about this is a Michael Jordan documentary, not a bulls documentary, but we got a lot of, we got a good background on Pippen. We got a good background on Rodman. Um, you know, we could talk, give our opinions on that. I, I'm fine with it. Uh, but ultimately Pippen, you know, if you look at his career stats, he's sixteen, six, and five guy, and he was, by most accounts, viewed as the second best defender of the league, next to Jordan. One of the best facilitators of all time. I mean, he yeah, he just he was. I have not seen. I cannot remember a clip that in the Last Dance documentary episodes one through eight so far where Pippen created his own shot in the NBA. Everything has been him playmaking, him making huge defensive plays, uh, and yeah. then getting some and dunking off people, getting feeds from others. But 
You're right. Him, the create your own shot, ISO guy like MJ was, and you could, you know, maybe the best ever at that. He was not. Um, but Pippen does get a bad looks. I think that he's gotten painted in a pretty bad light in this documentary. He, yeah. he, uh, he gets a lot of love in the first, the first week's worth of episodes. Yeah. But first people, two. <laughs> but people so are going to remember people. There's a recency bias with almost everyone that consumes sports media yeah. and almost everything since then has been bad. Other than the fact that, you know, Pippen was also on the dream team and Pippen, uh, you know, in this last week, MJ makes the comment, which this was actually really funny and I really enjoyed was uh, Pippen's wearing tens and he's sitting on the bench and the camera comes up and he points to his tens and it's yeah, like, you, get him to come back. you know, and gives him the little like finger wave. Uh, I thought that was hilarious and was like, damn, I wonder how Twitter would react if that shit was going down yeah. and nowadays. But, uh, you know, I, I almost wish we could get part of this doc with those two together in present day yeah and and hear a conversation and or just be a fly on the wall because um i would agree it seems like that the relationship is fractured to some degree um but I, i i think that they i think they they under they have a ton of mutual respect and like yeah. each other but it's like pippen said some messed up stuff since the bulls dynasty is over like he came out and said uh lebron was the best he thought lebron was the best ever at one point and that's no he walked it back i yeah i mean i think i do agree with you i think it'd be interesting to have them like talk together but like um yeah i mean i sort of think pippen it's like they just kind of i just feel like they have left a lot of things out there and, like, it's not been – they haven't, like, addressed – they've just kind of thrown some stuff out there with Pippen and just, like, kind of let it hang out there and not really close it um, or, like, fully explain it. Or it's just, like, kind of like, oh, yeah, Scotty just, you know, didn't show up. Well, well, yeah, that's it. Just, like, leave things, like, hang out there kind of and just, like, to, for public to make their own opinion on it and don't really provide him some a way to address it or, like, expand on it um which i think is unfortunate yeah because i i think uh there was a respect but there's also like it just seems like this thing of like yeah scotty was great and all but like let's please emphasize he wasn't michael jordan like let's just remind everyone that which is unfair to him in a lot of ways um yeah, so we knew that yeah right exactly so what did you think about like the 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 Jordan's father, you know, it's covering of his murder and just like everything that swirled around that? Like what were your big takeaways from that section of the the episodes? Uh the number one thing that hopped out to me and they hit on this, and I'm glad that they hit on it was um, the conspiracy. I did not know that the media did speculate on this Uh-oh. having a oh, tie, really? having a tie to his um, his gambling, gambling. and that <laughs> I was like, damn, that is. Oh, see, tough. I that's okay. So that was like one thing for me. I did know. I was like, I wonder if they're gonna like even touch that. 
And they did. Um, well, I, I knew that that was a conspiracy theory. I didn't know that the media actually called it out. Yeah. I didn't, I did not know that. Um, and, and I actually, I, I haven't gone back and read those articles. So maybe they are pointing at some shred of evidence. It didn't seem like that was there. It seemed like speculation. So that was like kind of jarring. I mean, me. the basic of it is what they did say. It's like the idea of it would being basically like a motive, a motiveless crime. And so like to do that without any motive, like that made logical sense to like at least investigators. I suppose, but just because like not every crime has a motive. So yeah. <laughs> if, if you don't know what the motive is uh, and it's a high profile case, you don't have to speculate on what the motive is. Uh, maybe yeah. just, maybe just stay away um, would be my advice for people in the future. Um, yeah. I but, mean, I mean, it's, it is sad and it's obviously sad. And yeah, when he wins the fourth championship, he wins it on Father's Day, and he's just crying with the basketball by the trainer's table. It's like, well, really tough. Like I'm, I, God. Oh no, I was gonna say I'm glad you brought that up, just in the sense of like I've seen that clip hundreds of times. That was the first time I've ever seen it without like it not having you know music or something added over to it just to like hear like the deadpan just like silence and all you hear is him just like crying was pretty eerie yeah it just broke my heart because i i really do think that he like felt grief in the moment and that is terrible um yeah just (laughs) And uh, I can't remember. They covered this in the doc. Um, but the the Wizards, the the Bullets player that he um, that dropped 37 on the Bulls on an off night and in a back-to-back, and then MJ comes back and drops 36 in the first half the next night in Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, he... You're talking about LeBradford Smith? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Um, MJ, he really did. He, I am, I would like, I want someone to do a, like a psychological study on how you can use specific things to mot like the motivation factor with him is crazy because it seems like through stages of his career, he really used different things. Like, I, yeah. I hope, well, I'd be curious if they go into this, but like, okay. You won one, two, three. You were you're mentally exhausted, um, and you're you're devastated and grieving because of your father. And then you go play baseball, and then you you get the itch back, and you're ready to win championship four. But like, then what kept him going to win two more championships after that? Um, to three peat twice. Yeah. I think it's. I, I think, and this is where I did want to kind of like our last portion of this that I really wanted to talk about was the, you know, this the the very you know, hard transition from his father's murder to like That's him just being, it, yeah, it is. Him being just 
the most ridiculous human being when it came up to like driving and like getting motivation. And I think that was really sort of his hit on the comeback portion is a, a huge theme. I think there was some of that, but I think like early part of his career was like the Pistons were that he had overcome the Pistons. Then it was like, once he had done that, it was, well, Magic and Larry have never, never three-peated. I want a three-peat. He retires. I think that second comeback, you know, is that, that second repeat he really did is where you hear a lot of these stories coming from is where it focused on is like, because I do think in, in some ways what you're talking about, Ultra, it's like to repeat again, yeah, sure, that's great, but like, I think he needed to have those sort of more or less real or fake, you know, slights um, towards him to motivate him on a night-to-night basis to be great, you know, sometimes. Um, the little Bradford Smith story is hilarious to me um, on a lot of – I did not realize it was a back-to-back. That I just had thought – I had always known of it as like – it happening in the next time they played, but I did not realize it was back-to-back um, nights that that occurred, and that is so hilarious to me. It's, like, imagine, I just, that's another, just insert, like, insert NBA Twitter into this era. I just want it, like, really bad. Well, NBA Twitter would have pointed out he wanted to get – you know, score as many as LeBradford Smith did for the whole game in one half, and back. Well, he came up one point short. You know. Oh, people would. <laughs> no question. Failure. Yeah. <laughs> um. I will say this: I'm not a big fan of George Carl, and 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 so I was enjoying a lot of that, and that like George Carl not saying hi to him at the restaurant, like really was what pushed them for um, the um, you know championship against the the, the Supersonics. Um, but they brought back our favorite trick ultra of the showing and you know, showing the tablet clip and getting someone else's reaction. And um, I will say them showing the part we're talking about Gary Payton and like guarding MJ and stuff and. Jordan's reaction to that is between that and the I think my number one right now is um, him listening to R and B, smoking a cigar, swinging a baseball bat in the locker uh, room is my iconic. favorite. <laughs> just my favorite just clip so far. Unbelievable. But yes. the the laughing at Gary Payton part, and I, he I think him and Gary Payton are very much cut from the same cloth of like kind of that dude. Um, like just, but him still laughing like Gary Payton didn't give me any problems type thing. The glove didn't give me problems. Yeah. <laughs> By <laughs> far, I think my two favorite clips so far that have happened in this entire oh, thing. Yeah, I mean the. <laughs> I just, I was when I was watching him sitting with the cigar and the baseball bat, which I, I actually don't know if it was like shoot around or if it was like practice the day after but whatever it is i was thinking a like to like could you smoke a cigar 
and then go play basketball. He just looks so fucking cool, too. Yeah, that was, that's, yeah, was that's like, the thing. He like, looks fuck. so cool. And I know people have said that a lot, like, just so much of, like, hype around Jordan. And, like, look, I will say, some of the suits that are in this documentary, people looking foolish. But, like, in general, MJ's looking pretty good style-wise. And But that he did not – you can't look cooler than that. Um, it was. But the other thing I was going to say is that imagine being a teammate of his where you're in the locker room and you're in – this is, what, round two of the playoffs and this is after they had lost to uh, the Hornets in game, in game two. Um, yeah. And then, they, you know, they ended up winning the series 4-1. But an MJ <clears throat> who just came back – like 15 months before that from baseball is sitting there with a bat <laughs> in the locker room oh, yeah. smoking a cigar um you know at that point you can't say anything to the guy but i would just be thinking like this man is insane <laughs> Dude, i mean that whole thing is just it's you know itself its own vibe he, i really do think he loves baseball I, I think he I, like, I think, loves yeah. baseball. I think he liked playing. Yeah, I mean, I think he, for sure. No, I mean, um, I just, I think every single thing about like just him and the move, it's like you go and like to piss him off to be good. It's like I, I don't know, like you know, I think he says that, and maybe in some way or another, he, it was all true. Even like the B.J. Armstrong thing, it's like, oh, B.J. Start, you know, whatever. It's like. I will also say, you know, having watched the game where they closed out against the Hornets, like, that game was so, sh- like, uh, Del Curry gets a tech, like, everyone on the that Hornets team got a technical in that last game. Like, it was just like they had a meltdown, too. And, like, it was one, of, it's like one of the chippiest games ever. Um, it I think it was more or less like they were annoyed with the, you know, Glenn Rice is old. Right, right. It's like there's so there was so much more going on that I don't think it was just a. You can't just be like, oh, because B.J. Armstrong showed him up in that you know high scoring seventy four seventy one win. <laughs> yeah, uh, the scores are hilarious too. Yeah. Oh, just, oh. Yeah. I I don't know if I brought that up in the first episode. It's like, yeah, that's one part of this that is hilarious. It's just to see like. You want 90s basketball back. Yeah, those scores were dope. Um, yeah, dude. Um, uh, but, yeah, I, I really just wanted to end on the Jordan... The Jordan here. bat R&Bs. Like, I mean, next time I'm able to go out and do anything competitive, like I just want to be like in that state. And I was like, I wish I could smoke a cigar and then go play basketball. Although I think some, yeah, because that was definitely like pre-practice. I, I think, if anything, of that scene, it's um, it's amazing. Uh, I was just enjoy, like, just smile on my face, just like shit eating grin, like just yeah. him sitting there with that bat. I was like, damn it, it's so, it's so, uh, it's it just a lot of feelings during that. It's like this is really funny. This is such such a meme. This is so like this is ridiculous, but also like I feel like it's almost like the truest sense of him. Yep. He is just like 
no it's I, mj the baseball player it's mj the basketball player it's mj the like gambler with the, the cigar in his mouth it's it's at all no and, i i think if if you i think if anything this documentary did do i think these last two episodes encapsulating just mj as a personality as an individual just like what is he like as a person um i think watching these two in and of itself did a great job of summarizing him and just what made him great inside his head like everything about him i think you got a full glimpse of that with this one agreed and I will say, you yeah, know, shouts man, to I'm how not. they ended the great cliffhanger for the end of eight with the Reggie Miller um, comment too. I think was a was a cool way to close this one out. Yeah, I agree. I think the I'm really excited for episode ten. Um, I hope that we get even. I mean, I hope that we get even more of. This sounds dumb. I hope we get more of MJ in the last two episodes i yeah i don't need more pippen i don't need more rodman i don't need more phil jackson just mm-hmm. give me two hours of as much mj current day clips yeah. from 98 just give me all of it that's what i want i think it's gonna be pretty heavy as far as like more of the team like winning um there are very good arguments to be made that the Pacers should have beat them in the Eastern Conference Finals. And that is, like, I would say of, like, the things I remember most about the Jordan era of growing as, like, I do remember that Indiana series, like, watching every game when I was a little kid. Not every detail of it, but I do remember how intense those games were, watching those, like, with my family and stuff. And then, I like, for the championship games too like those are i think for me going to be watching those going to be the most like sublime kind of like real thing of like those are where the most intensified memories i have of like this thing only thing i really have held on it was like those two series um like I do definitely have vivid memories of those those like series occurring. So to rewatch some of that um, will be interesting for sure. Um, and I fucking hated Reggie Miller. I'd say I mean like takeaways of like things of my child. Like I mean I fucking never liked Carl Malone. Um, still don't like like Reggie Miller. What like but fucking could not stand Reggie Miller and could not stand Carl Malone. This is a me as a kindergartner just being like they're the they're so evil was just all i could say all the time it's like reggie miller he's evil carl malone the biggest jerk ever well i will i totally i get where you're coming from reggie just is you could just tell like playing against him would suck because <laughs> he just is kind of there's something about him that just like he can get under your skin. Like, oh, yeah. I know he could get under my skin. Same. Um, having said that, I actually like, I love him as a commentator and oh. as like an analyst today. Maybe you, you clearly don't agree with me and that's fine. He's, but, I mean, I think he's a personality. Like I like him on the Dan Patrick show. Yeah. I like, I love him in that capacity, not necessarily calling a game. Um, yeah. Not, I, for I'm sure. Not really, As a personality, just, he's not, his, 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 
his retired off court personality much more likable and like personable. Like I was like, yeah, whatever. I could hang out with Reggie Miller, have a beer, but him playing and like his encore personality, oh, he would drive me crazy. Oh, hundred percent. Having said that, he's really good. Yeah, that pay. You're right. That Pacers team, they could have and maybe should have. You know who's on that Pacers team though, Ultra? Whom? Who? Frederick Hoiberg. Oh, really? Yeah, it's like his second year, third year. Man, we are gonna have to. We're gonna have a half an hour next week on Fred Hoiberg. If I can't some, wait, if some, if he somehow gets interviewed for the doc, he's not. Which he's not. He's he barely know, played. No, I, I, he's not going to. But if he did, that would be amazing. Any, any, if I get any like a half a second clip of Fred Hoiberg in this. In the in the next two episodes, the victory for all. Well, if that happens, then this is just the Fred Hoiberg doc. Yeah, this should be one. This should be one. Everyone agrees. Many people are saying. <laughs> all righty, Ultra. I think that's gonna do it. Got any last thoughts? Got any last big takeaways from these last two? You need to get out there, share with the people. The only thing is that you said at the beginning that. You're not like excited this is ending, but ten episodes essentially the ten episodes seems right. I agree with you. I don't need twenty hours of the last dance. Having said that, what I will miss is that there's just this one thing that it seems like everyone is kind of buying into, like Game of Thrones or like yeah. some pop culture thing where everyone's buying into during the quarantine. Gonna miss that. So very excited for the last two episodes and to talk about that in a week yeah yeah we'll just have to we're gonna have to put our brains together as a collective people figure out that next thing to do um to watch and, and get us through the next stage we had the tiger king stage we had the last dance stage what's that next stage gonna be um it's gonna be the nba coming back that's what it's gonna yeah, be we're gonna have to start that we're gonna have to start sports coming back when are sports coming back we'll see um, until all of that, though, we have one more episode coming next week. We'll recap and finalize our final thoughts on the Last Dance series uh, from the last two episodes coming out uh, this Sunday night on ESPN. Make sure you watch those. Make sure you subscribe to the Point Forward. Rate us, review us, do all those good things. Make sure you're following us. Um, and until then, everyone, we'll talk to you all next week.